the name of Allah, the most merciful and kind. You are about to listen to an audio representation of the life of the Prophet Muhammad. It does not replace a thorough studying of his life. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Four brothers, the sons of Abdul Muttalib, stood in the living area of the home. There were cushions for seating, and in any other circumstance, they most probably would have been sitting and chatting, lazily discussing their respective days. But today was not a regular day for the four brothers, and not one of them was calm enough to sit down. I understand you are concerned, but this is not the way of the Banu Hashim. Abdul Manaf was the first brother, but the frail old man had earned the kunya Abu Talib. He had a wooden staff, shabby robes, and a white beard. He was the chief of the Banu Hashim, and the one most keen on calming everyone down. And is the way of the Banu Hashim to call our gods fake? To reject the way of our fathers? How can you defend Muhammad Abu Talib? Abu Lahab was the brother with the expensive clothing, the fiery demeanor, and rings on his fingers. On a good day, he cast a dark cloud wherever he went. But today, he was nothing less than a thunderstorm. You're acting like Muhammad has ever worshipped our God. He has always believed in one God. Why is it so shocking to you to hear him declare it now? He invited us to his home and had the audacity to speak to us, his elders, and tell us he knew better, better than our father. Then, as if that wasn't bad enough, he stood on Mount Safa and called the entire city of Mecca to his lunacy. Yeah, and that's when you humiliated him in front of everyone. How does that make our clan look when an uncle publicly curses his nephew? Al-Abbas was the third brother and the owner of the home they were currently in. He was broad-shouldered and burly, with a thick beard and bushy eyebrows. He had his arms crossed and looked thoroughly upset. I do not agree with what our nephew is doing, but we are Arabs, and the rule with Arabs is known and respected. The clan sticks together. Precisely. So the two of you are just going to let Muhammad go around insulting our religion and telling people that he's a messenger from Allah? (laughs) Maybe he's not the only one that's crazy. He can do as he likes. He is a free man. Abu Talib, even if he is a free man, he can't just start a new religion that goes against our traditions and ancestors. Weak-minded people will follow him in ignorance, like your son, Ali. Yes, Abu Talib, that boy has been following Muhammad around like an ostrich hatchling. What kind of parent allows his child to follow a different, strange religion? When I put Ali in the care of Muhammad all those years ago, I did so knowing he was the most honest and righteous man to ever raise a child. I am not going back on that decision now. I cannot believe this! You are conspiring with Muhammad to ruin this family! You are making a mockery of the entire Banu Hashim clan! We are the laughing stock of Quraysh thanks to his antics the other day. Hamza, are you just going to sit there and say nothing? Hamza was the fourth and youngest brother. He was tall, handsome, and very muscular. He had long hair and a beard that normally lined a big grin. 
but the usually cheerful Hamza was frowning today. Abu Talib, Abbas, and Abu Lahab all stared at him. Look, I've known Muhammad my entire life. We grew up together. He's my nephew in blood, and my brother in nursing. He's always been a spiritual guy, and I, well, I'm not. I don't really understand his religion or what he's talking about, but, I mean, do you expect me to make him my enemy? Just because he believes in one God? Yes! No! I don't know. There was an awkward silence in Al-Abbas's home. Nobody seemed satisfied with the conversation. Well, I'm going to take matters into my own hands, since none of you seem to care about what happens to our family. I will not wait for us to be cursed by Alat and Uzza. Abu Lahab, Abu Lahab, come back here. Do not do something you'll regret. Well, this was a waste of time. Where are you going? I'm going hunting. This arguing is ridiculous. I have no grudge against Muhammad. I'm not going to change my religion into something I don't understand. But Muhammad is not my enemy. And anyone who tries to harm him has to go through me. Uh, I need a drink. They're gone. You can come out now. Three people stepped into the living room. Abbas's wife, Lubaba, his servant, Abu Rafi'ah, and Abu Talib's son, Jafar, who Abbas had raised on Abu Talib's behalf. The three stepped cautiously inside and looked at each other. They didn't sound happy at all. I thought Abu Lahab was going to strike my father. Do they know? Do I know that you three have become Muslim? No. And for your sakes, that is how it should remain. Chapter 2 The Dog of God Hear me, family! Hear me! Welcome home, Abu Lahab. How was the meeting with your kin? Not now, Um Jamil. I wish to speak to my sons. Utba, Utayba, get in here this instant! You heard your father! Come here now! Abu Lahab plopped down on a cushion while his wife, Um Jamil, presented a wooden tray of dry grapes. Abu Lahab's children came in, one by one, sitting obediently in front of his gluttonous form. Listen to me, all of you. From now on, Muhammad is your enemy, as he is mine. You do not speak to him, you do not visit him. Never! Do not consider it! You do not speak to his family or his children. Any opportunity you get to insult him, you take it. He has committed heresy and apostasy. He has completely lost his mind. I always knew there was something wrong with him. Didn't I tell you, Abu Lahab? And now here he's telling everyone that an angel's given him words from God. Muhammad is my enemy. And if any of you want to be a part of this family, then he must become your enemy too. Is that clear? Yes, Father. Yes, Father. What are you doing putting this empty tray in front of me? Go reset it! Sorry, my love. Oh, I'm so sorry. Now, as for the matter of your engagements. Abu Lahab squinted at his sons pensively. Utba, you're engaged to Muhammad's daughter, Ruqayya, aren't you? Um, yes, father. And you, Utayba, you are engaged to his other daughter, Um Kulthum? That's right, father. More grapes, my love? Hmm? 
Not now, woman. Listen to me, both of you. My head is unlawful to your head if you do not divorce Muhammad's daughters. Understand? No son of mine is marrying that liar's children. Break off the engagements. Those two girls have abandoned our religion. Yes, father. I'll teach that Muhammad a lesson. He'll regret ever making fun of our gods. Such a good son you are. That's my boy. And you, Otba? Um, sh sure. I'll divorce Wakleya if you want me to, but... Excellent. Now, Um Jamil, you just need to tell our daughter to break up her engagement with that Mola, Zaid. And we'll be in excellent shape. Ugh, I always detested him. He smelled awful. Now we can marry her to a real Arab man. One that wasn't bought from the slave markets. We do whatever you command us to do. Unlike Muhammad, we respect our father, and we respect our gods. Glory to Hubal! Glory to Hubal! Oh, I'm so proud of you, my son. <laughs> One more thing. Where do we usually dump our filth? Because I think we have a perfect new spot. The sanctuary was the center of Mecca. It was where the residents went to circle the sacred Kaaba, worship their idols, and socialize. At this time of day, it was the busiest part of Mecca. Muhammad ibn Abdullah walked into the sanctuary and faced the Kaaba. Muhammad was the messenger of Allah, the awaited prophet, the Rasul, peace be upon him. He didn't know this a few years ago. In fact, the first time he was told he was Allah's chosen messenger, Muhammad could hardly believe it. But Allah's words were frequent now. Any doubt about who he was had long since disappeared with the coming of the Qur'an. And so, every time the angel Jibreel came, the Rasul peace be upon him felt pleasant excitement because it usually meant one thing, new words from Allah, new verses of the Qur'an, and the latest verses of the Qur'an had commanded him to warn people. The Rasul, peace be upon him, walked past the idols the Meccans worship. He faced the Holy Kaaba and began to circle it. For the Kaaba was the house of Allah, and Allah was the one true God. The idols around the Kaaba? Nothing more than human innovation. After completing seven circuits around the Kaaba, the Rasul, peace be upon him, braced himself and turned towards the people. O oh people, say there is no God but Allah and you will be rewarded. He called. Shut up! Some threw dirt at him. Others fired insults. Most turned away to avoid the drama. This was going to be a long day. The Rasul, peace be upon him, had called people to the religion of Allah, Islam, for the last three years. But it had been private and selective. He had only reached out to those close to him and those with hearts inclined to monotheism. He wasn't really used to public invitations just yet. But the Prophet, peace be upon him, wasn't deterred. He was sure that if they could just hear about Islam, the people of the Quraysh, the Meccans, and even the Arabs of the outskirts would join him in worshipping one God, becoming Muslims, and entering Jannah in the hereafter. Get out of my way! It might just take longer than he thought. The Prophet, peace be upon him, sighed. He was exhausted and hot. His clothes were stained with sweat. The looming sun announced midday. 
Several hours of preaching Islam to the people of Mecca amounted to his blessed face covered in dust and bruises. The most cordial of those he called simply walked away, but many were much less polite. The Rasul, peace be upon him, sat cross-legged on the floor, exhausted, leaning his back against the north wall of the Kaaba. A young woman came rushing towards him, balancing a small water bucket on her head. Here you go, Father. You need to drink. It's hot today. The Rasul, peace be upon him, took the bucket from his eldest daughter. Thank you, Zainab. May Allah reward you, he said. Zainab took a cloth and soaked it in the water after he had finished drinking. Hold still. She wiped the dust off of his face and gently cleaned the bruises and scratches on his arms. The Rasul, peace be upon him, regarded his daughter with patience and love. She still wore the onyx necklace that was gifted to her on her wedding day. She was fighting back tears. Oh, my daughter, he whispered. She paused and looked at him with sparkling eyes. Do not fear defeat or humiliation for your father. He squeezed her hand. I just can't stand seeing you like this. If they reject your message, fine, but they don't need to be vile and cruel. Zainab sat next to her father. He put an arm around her shoulders. Abel Aas still doesn't want to be a Muslim. He agrees with everything I say, but... I don't know. Something is stopping him. The Rasul, peace be upon him, listened patiently to Zainab as she talked about her husband. As always, he did not interrupt. It's a lot of pressure, I suppose. He doesn't want to upset the Quraysh. He insists he isn't against you, but... His tribe told him to divorce me because I'm a heretic and a rebel. <laughs> he refused. The Prophet smiled. Even though Abel As was not a Muslim, the Rasul, peace be upon him, couldn't deny that he really did love Zainab. They told him if he divorces me, they'll marry him to another woman. He still refused. Well, I guess Abu Aas is as stupid as he looks. Utayba, the son of Abu Lahab, proudly entered into the sanctuary. Groups of people converged from the different gates. They had finished their noon naps and were headed for the Kaaba to circle it. Me personally, I would never want to be married to someone who believes there's only one God. His eyes darted around him. He wanted to make sure people could hear him as he gloated. The Prophet and Zainab stood up. What's going on? Hasn't anyone silenced you yet, Muhammad? Leave him alone, Utaiba. What has he even done to you? Quiet, Mawla. I have something to say, and I want to make sure everyone hears it. The Prophet, peace be upon him, stared back at his younger cousin. Utaiba seemed to revel in the attention he was getting. I'm breaking the engagement I have with your daughter, Umm Kulthum, and my brother's breaking it with Ruqayya. You want nothing to do with your damn family. Damn you and your religion. I disbelieve in your so-called angel. I follow the religion of the Quraysh, and if you don't like that, then you're not my relative. Zainab shrank away from Arteba's rant, but the Prophet, peace be upon him, stood firm, not looking away or even blinking. Now see here, Arteba, you can't go talking to Muhammad like that. He is the son of your uncle Abdullah. He's not the son of Abdullah, he never even met him in his life. Abdullah died before he was even born. He was raised by a homeless couple from the Banu Sa'ad. Isn't that right, Muhammad? Abi Kepsha is your daddy, right? Hey, that's what we should start calling you. Ibn Abi Kepsha. <laughs> the Rasul, peace be upon him, could feel the crowd jolt around him. They had never seen a relative belittle one of their own like this. He remained silent. He did not say a word. Ordeba's face was red, his eyes bulging, his horrible smile wide. Oh, and one last thing. 
Utayba ibn Abi Lahab proceeded to say one of the filthiest slurs in the Arabic language. Then he walked up to the Rasul, peace be upon him, and yanked the collar of his shirt, then spat right in his face. The Prophet's blood was boiling. He closed his eyes and wiped the spit off of his face. His breathing was calm. He did not give Utayba the satisfaction of a reaction. He looked Utayba straight in the eyes and said, O oh Allah, send upon him a dog from your dogs. Utayba looked flabbergasted. He tried to smile, failed, then scowled. Yes, well, whatever. All right, everyone move along. Show's over. Nothing to see here. The Prophet, peace be upon him, did not move his feet until Utayba and the crowd had cleared his field of view. It's all right, Rukayya. You'll be fine. Allah will give a better husband, one that's actually a Muslim. She's right, Rukayya. Listen to your sister. Zaid is fitting. Oh, sorry. Let me get that. It's all right. I got it. Are you all right? I'm fine. It was all a show for Abu Lahab. He never really wanted me to marry his daughter. Oh, come on, Rukayya. The Rasul, peace be upon him, held his crying daughter. Listen, my children, all of you, Allah has decreed something for you. It will be for the best. You will all get married to much better people. Yeah, well, marrying a child of Muhammad isn't exactly attractive right now. Good. If they refuse to marry you because you believe in Allah and his messenger, you are better off being single. Look at me. My husband divorced me years ago and I am perfectly content living with the messenger of Allah. Thank you, Umm Ayman, but my husband isn't going to divorce me. You shouldn't cry. I say good riddance. You want to marry someone who hates your father? Baraka. Ali ibn Abi Talib hobbled in on one leg, his left foot hanging in the air. Ow, 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 ow. Ali, what's wrong? My foot! I stepped on a thorn. There were thorns everywhere outside the house. I barely got in here a lot. Serves you right for walking around barefoot. Not funny, Zaid. Thorns outside the house? From where? The house went quiet. Even Ruqayya stopped crying. What was that? The Prophet, peace be upon him, stepped towards the door, his children following nervously behind him. What is that smell? Ew! Oh no! Woe to that! The Rasul, peace be upon him, was met with the putrid sight of a heap of filth at his door. The smell was more unbearable than the sight. I'm gonna puke. The Rasul used a flat rock to scoop up a combination of rotten fruit, animal entrails, and human waste off the ground. I have more for you! Abu Lahab stood a few feet away from the door with another basket full of waste, his wife next to him with a bush full of thorns. This is what I think of you, Muhammad. May Allah and Uzza curse you! And may every step you take be painful. May you choke and die! She added the bristles to the scattered thorns all along the pathway to the front door. The couple walked <laughs> off, cackling to themselves. The Rasul, peace be upon him, was speechless. Abu Lahab and Umm Jamil had always carried themselves with some measure of dignity. Never had he seen them act this way. What kind of behavior is this? Do they hate Islam so much that they would carry their own filth to our home? That's it! I've had it! 
Calm down, Ali. Calm down. Look at my foot. Get your foot out of my face. But you're not again. I say we dump our trash on their house. We will do no such thing. Maybe the boy has a point. Um, Amen. We are not stooping to their level. The Rasul, peace be upon him, calmly cleaned off the waste with the flat rock. Though he did not express it, he was more upset than his family. Not because of the crudeness of Abu Lahab's tactics, but because they had willfully decided to wage war with something that would have helped them. The Rasul, peace be upon him, returned inside. But he had stopped listening to his family entirely. Because at that moment, Allah was revealing new verses of the Qur'an. Perish the hands of Abu Lahab and perish he. No benefit from what he earned or from his money. He shall roast in flames eternally. With his wife bearing the wood and kindling. Around her neck a palm fiber string. The new verses of the Qur'an had spread quickly. The Rasul, peace be upon him, had not responded to the crude tactics of Abu Lahab's family. But Allah had, and he had made it very clear that hellfire was the fate of Abu Lahab and Um Jamil. The Prophet, peace be upon him, had taught the verses to his family, then his companions, and by evening, it seemed the entire city had heard of the condemnation. Sitting next to the Prophet, peace be upon him, was his closest friend and most loyal companion, Abu Bakr. He had already memorized the verses and was reciting them solemnly. With his wife bearing the wood and kindling around her neck a palm fiber string. What a sorry state for a person. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said nothing. His whole purpose was to invite people to paradise, but already his closest relatives were rejecting and being promised hellfire. He couldn't help but feel he was failing his people. Abu Bakr sensed his friend's guilt. My father is not accepting Islam either. I do not think he really understands what I am inviting him to. It is difficult when your own blood rejects the way of Allah. Abu Bakr openly announced his Islam the same day the Rasul, peace be upon him, called the people on Mount Safa. It had cost him dearly. His clan had entreated him the same since. And after many arguments with his disgruntled wife, Abu Bakr settled on divorce. Though that stopped the animosity against his religion in his home, Abu Bakr was still subject to constant ridicule. Has uh, Abu Talib considered accepting Islam? No, the Prophet said flatly. Do not despair, Ya Rasulullah. Abu Talib is not vulgar like Abu Lahab. I'm sure Allah will... Oh dear, Messenger of Allah, Um Jamil is headed over here. I fear she is coming to harm you. If only you had left before she saw you. She will not see me, the Rasul said, with as much confidence as a falcon diving off a cliff. He quickly recited some verses of Qur'an. Um Jamil galloped towards Abu Bakr with a heavy stone grinder in her hands. <sighs> Where is he? Where is who? Your friend, Muhammad. I want to smash his mouth with a stone. And why do you want to do that? Don't play games with me, Abu Bakr. I know he's mocking my husband and I with poetry. No, by the lord of this house, he is not mocking you. Abu Bakr wanted to add, It is Allah that mocked you. But the stone grinder looked like it could probably leave him toothless. 
Where is he? Abu Bakr looked over his right shoulder, where the Prophet, peace be upon him, sat motionless right next to him. You cannot see him? You tell your friend that the Quraysh know I'm the daughter of their leader and they will not stand for anyone insulting me. (laughs) And tell him that I have some poetry of my own. Mutemtem we deny, his religion is a lie, and his command we defy! Abu Bakr looked quite amused. She thinks the Quran is poetry. That is an interesting accusation. I have never heard you utter a single stanza of poetry in my life. The Prophet, peace be upon him, reclined backwards with a smile. Do you not see how Allah has protected me from her insults? She attacks Mudamdam, the blameworthy, but I am Muhammad, the praiseworthy. Abu Bakr admired how the Prophet, peace be upon him, rose above the insults and threats with such a positive attitude. He wished he had that same optimism, but the truth was, It hurt him very much to hear Umm Jamil's verbal assault against his beloved prophet, whether it was against Mudamdam or not. A second figure came over to where Umm Jamil had stood moments before. In the back of his head, Abu Bakr had already determined the man's lineage. One of his skills was deducing entire family trees at first glance. Ubay, son of Khalaf, Jumahi, Qurashi, from the sons of Ka'b ibn Luay. Ubay folded his muscular arms menacingly. So, Abu Bakr... You're a believer in that scandalous troublemaker, are ya? If by that you mean Muhammad, then yes. Allah has chosen him as his messenger. You're a chump, Abu Bakr. I always knew the Banu Taim were filled with pushovers, but I never knew they had gullible idiots too. Abu Bakr was surprised to see the Prophet, peace be upon him, smile proudly, like he was given a spontaneous gift and not just insulted. Whatever invisible veil Allah had placed on him to protect him from Umm Jamil's wrath seemed to have been lifted, but the Prophet, peace be upon him, showed no concern whatsoever. You're nothing more than an illegitimate hyena pup rolling around in its own filth. Caesar can probably smell you from his palace. A jinn-possessed, goat-riding, shoe-licking well-dweller you are. Why, if I saw you at an oasis, I would choose to drink Abu Bakr was quiet, but he had a very strong urge to tackle Ubay. The Prophet, peace be upon him, remained calm and collected, watching the scene with amusement. You know what? Woe to you. Woe to you! Woe to your family! Woe to the fool who sold you your turban! Woe to the porridge you had for breakfast! Abu Bakr was losing patience. Woe to the camel you rode on! Woe to the air you breathe! Ubay? Yeah? Woe to you. Isn't that enough from you? The Prophet's face shifted so quickly from smile to frown that Abu Bakr jolted. The Prophet, peace be upon him, swiftly got up and turned away from the two of them, his face laden with anger. Fear struck Abu Bakr's heart like lightning. Suddenly, Ubay ibn Khalaf meant absolutely nothing to him. He chased after the Rasul. Hey, 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 where are you going? I ain't done with you. Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah, wait. As soon as I answered him, you, you got angry and walked away. The Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, turned to Abu Bakr with the same look a father gave to a child that did something very unwise. There was an angel with you that answered everything back for you, but when you answered back against his words, a devil came. And I can never sit with a devil, the Prophet remarked, continuing his path. Abu Bakr was stunned. 
not so much because an angel had defended him or that the Rasul, peace be upon him, could actually see devils, but that the simple words he uttered had upset his friend. Wait, I, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet, peace be upon him, stopped suddenly. Abu Bakr almost bumped into him. He felt shy to even look him in the eye. Oh Abu Bakr, three matters are completely certain. There is not a single slave who has been unjustly harmed with wrongdoing that he overlooks for the sake of Allah, except that Allah glorifies his victory. And no man opens a door of giving, seeking bonds of friendship, except that Allah increases him in wealth. And no man opens a door of asking, seeking an increase in wealth, except that Allah increases him in poverty. Abu Bakr had no words. He could only stare in awe of the Prophet. Abu Bakr had to understand. It was imperative that the Prophet, peace be upon him, made it clear. There was no retaliation when Allah was their defender. No need to hurl insults or rocks or dump trash on another's home. Their defender was Allah, and the reward for their patience was with him. I understand, Messenger of Allah. Allah and his Messenger know best. Where are you going? The smile returned to the Rasul's face. The home of Uthman ibn Affan, he said. Something told Abu Bakr that the Rasul, peace be upon him, was going to meet Uthman for more than just a social visit. Around 20 camels stood at attention, their backs appearing as massive mountains of merchandise. It was a small caravan, all things considered, but Abu Lahab had not become wealthy by turning down business opportunities, no matter how small. Abu Lahab was the only one not riding his camel. Though he had his traveling cloak on and a full water skin tied to his waist, there was still one more act of superstition to perform before he was ready to leave. Oh great Huban, oh great Manaf, show us the way on our trip. He held a wicker cage with a tiny bird in it. Pagan Arabs believed that if you had an important decision to make, you release a bird to the wind. If it flew right, the gods would bless you with good luck. If it flew left, it was an evil omen. <laughs> it flies right. Glory to them. Al-Abbas rode to the front of the caravan. Listen up, men. This should be an easy ride. Sayyid Abu Lahab and I will ride at the front. Young Utayba, you have the rear. Keep an eye out for bandits and stick together. What if we see a crazy man who thinks he's a prophet? <laughs> Abbas swallowed hard and bit his tongue. All right then. Akbilu! Here! The caravan departed, bags and crates bobbing side to side on camelback, cloaks trailing behind the riders. Abbas rode at the front with his back hunched over the reins, not speaking to anyone for several miles. I have a feeling our coins will weigh heavy in our pouches after this trip. Yeah. I always say, no matter how much Romans and Persians fight and kill each other, they're always eager to drop gold and silver when an Arab shows up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Still, I would have preferred if Hamza had come. Always helps to have some extra muscle. Hmm? Yeah. What ails you, brother? Profitable trade usually excites the great Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib. 
Nothing. Speak freely, brother. You are a son of Abdul Muttalib. You should fear nothing in my presence. Fine. You want me to speak freely? Here it is. Your son has exceeded all bounds with Muhammad. Oh, come on. He said one thing you didn't like, and you flipped like a Roman coin. Divorcing his daughters is one thing, but you and your son publicly cursed him. Muhammad got what he deserved. He disrespected our way of life. Our way of life? Our table is not even half his age, and he spat at him. What kind of Arab does that to his elder? Perhaps the lad got a little carried away. He's eager to impress me. But do not forget who started this. Funny. I don't remember Muhammad dumping trash and filth on your doorstep. Don't get sentimental with me, Abbas. You know just as well as I do that whatever Muhammad is doing is dangerous. Abu Talib is coddling him. He always has. He'll let him get away with anything. What I do is tough love. If I don't push him to abandon this silly religion, then we'll become the most humiliated clan in Quraysh. And just wait till the other Arabs have their way with him. Trust me, I'm doing him a favor. I suppose he should be thanking you for your insult, huh? Do you actually believe Allah sent an angel to him? That he's actually a prophet? I don't know why he's doing what he's doing, but... Then you should not blame me for what I'm doing. Especially after that silly poem he made about me and my wife. She's a waste in same eternity. Blah. We shall see about that. So you're not at all concerned about Orteba? Why should I be? You didn't hear what Muhammad invoked? You think I listened to his crazy rantings? Abbas's camel came to a halt. Well, after your oh-so-polite son spat in his face, Muhammad said, May Allah unleash upon you a dog from his dogs. Abu Lahab's reddish complexion went pale. He... he what? Yeah, you can ask your son. He heard it. Everyone did. Now, I don't believe in his religion, and you made it perfectly clear that you don't either. But let me ask you this. Have you ever heard Muhammad make a prayer that didn't come true? Abu Lahab was abnormally silent. Hold on. Where are we? This... this is Zarqa. How did we get here? Must have veered off the trail. Father, the men are asking why we came here. Not to worry, son. It's getting dark soon. We should set up camp. There's an old hut right here. We could set a fire next to it and... No! Go to you! No, you cannot camp here! An old monk emerged from the dilapidated hut, his eyes wild and red. You cannot camp here! It's too dangerous! Calm down, holy man. Why is it so dangerous? Lions from the valley. They come here every night. You should run. Flee! I seek protection in my hut, but they have the taste of man! Flee! Flee! There's nowhere else for us to flee. If we don't set up camp now, we'll be trapped out in the dark. Lions, taste of man. Flee. Flee. The caravan party had debated what to do, but the decision was clear. They had no choice but to set up camp. The worst thing a traveler could do was get caught out in the dark with no fire. The camels had tucked their legs under their bodies. The men slept on the ground, under the stars, next to the blazing campfire. 
Abu Lahab woke up. He had been out in the desert enough to recognize that sound. Abbas, Abbas. Five hundred dirham. Huh? What? Listen. By Allah, that crazy old monk was right. Should we wake the others? I don't think so. Ah! Ah! Lions, father, they're coming. They're coming for me. Just like Muhammad said. Everyone up. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Everyone up. Everyone up. Please, please, please. We'll sleep around the fire in a circle and we'll put Odeba in the middle. Are they going to get me? No, no. Don't worry, son. Uh, most likely they'll, they'll go for the camels. Later in the night, the fire had reduced to a faded orange glow. Everyone slept in a circle around Ordeba, who himself was in a muffled panic. <laughs> I don't want to die. I don't want to die. This is all Ibn Abi Kepsha's fault. He's going to come and get me just like Muhammad prayed against me. I can just feel it. I don't care if he's in Mecca. I'm going to Damascus. If I die, Ibn Abi Kepsha's responsible. Abu Lahab couldn't sleep. He looked up at the stars, which by now were brighter than the campfire. Abbas was right. He had never heard Muhammad make a prayer that wasn't answered. And all things considered, if Allah had sent a dog, or in this case, a lion against his son, it would probably be warranted. But he just couldn't give Muhammad the satisfaction. Muhammad the Prophet. Muhammad, his little nephew. Not as rich as him. Not as powerful as him. Not even as old as him. But a prophet. That was something Abu Lahab would never, ever accept. Abu Lahab turned away from the stars and onto his side. He was surprised to see two more stars directly in front of him, floating just a few feet off the ground. Abu Lahab blinked. That couldn't be right. Stars on the ground? Stars that were... moving? Abu Lahab wanted to give some kind of warning to his son, but any movement he made could have been his last. The two stars got closer. The outline of a great mane was now visible in the dim light. Its padded paws made it silent. But a king always declares his arrival. The deep carnal roar rippled through the campsite like an earthquake. Every single person was awake, but not a single man dared to move. Abu Lahab shut his eyes as hard as he could. He could smell the odor of flesh on the beast's breath. He felt the earth rumble with its bellows. Abu Lahab opened his eyes a fraction. The predator's glowing eyes were staring right ahead towards the center of the camp. Clouds of mist erupted from its mouth. The lion bent over to Abu Lahab and smelled him. <laughs> before walking away. The furry tip of its tail slapped Abu Lahab's face. It went to each person, one by one, inspecting them, collecting their scent, judging whether they were fit for prey. Please no, please no, please, please. Please, 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 please. The lion gave a bellow of frustration. It was as though it was looking for someone that it could not find. Through pounding heart and tears, Abu Lahab could see the great beast return to him. Saliva dripped on his face as it stood over him. And then, it left. Silent, as though the night had swallowed it up entirely.
Abu Lahab could hear Utayba breathe again. Thank you, Allah. Thank you and your daughters and your partners. And and. No! Utayba! Abu Lahab could do nothing but slap his hands to his ears to drown out the noise. But in his head he was thinking that he always knew Utayba would not escape Muhammad's prayer. The caravan returned to Mecca. Abu Lahab had been silent the entire way back. They were mourning, but there was no body to actually mourn. Abbas figured it would be difficult to break the news to the Quraysh on arrival. Utayba had been an elite son of the Banu Hashim. Alright everyone, we're here. Welcome home. As they rode into the city, they heard something unexpected. What in the name of Jodham's treasure? A procession of people marched through the city. They wore white clothes and threw flower petals in the air. Abbas recognized the wedding chant. Make way! Make way! May Allah bless the couple! The ever-beautiful wife and the finest-looking man. Here comes Rukayya and her husband, Uthman. The Prophet, peace be upon him, his daughter, Rukayya, was beaming with a spectacular glow, holding her hand was none other than the most modest man in Mecca, the humble, generous, and believing companion of the Prophet, peace be upon him, Uthman ibn Affan, covered head to foot in the most exquisite white garment. The Prophet, peace be upon him, stood by Khadija, Zayd, his companions, his children. He was beaming with the most beautiful smile, and he gave his daughter and new son-in-law a great big hug. Abbas couldn't help but smile. Good for you, Muhammad. Good for you. He turned around to look for Abu Lahab, but his brother was gone. Abu Lahab stood outside the home with the green pavilion of silk. He had just finished relieving himself in a chamber pot. I'll show you them them. You think you're gonna have a nice little wedding? <laughs> well, here's my wedding present. He lifted the pot up. Huh? Hey! Huh? Hamza? Let me help you out with that. Uh, <laughs> that's in my mouth! <laughs> yep, that ought to do it. <laughs> Why did you do that? Don't let me catch you bothering Muhammad ever again. Damn you, Hamza! Damn you and woe to you! <laughs> you think this will stop me? You're all crazy! I'll show you! I will never stop! You hear me? Never! You're listening to The Sound of Sirah, brought to you by Islam by Touch. <laughs>